0: Well, good morning to uh, all of you here in the modern worship service, and uh, good morning to all of you there in the worship center. And I know we were together from ten to ten thirty, so thank you for adjusting your schedule a little bit to, to do that. And for those who weren't there, uh, thank you for coming to worship this morning. We're glad that you're here. If you're a guest, uh, very very special welcome uh, to you as well. And and let me uh, just follow up with what Scott said here and. What was uh, mentioned over there in the worship center, perhaps as well, and that is our deacon nominating committee. These forms, it it would have been awfully tough for some of you to fill out and circle those names and drop it in the offering plate on such quick notice. But, but you can drop them in the giving boxes afterwards. The boxes that are out in the hallway, or you can find a deacon. A deacon should have his name badge on. You can find one of the deacons and hand it to him. You can come back this evening, our Sunday evening service, or the giving boxes find a way to get this to us. And this is very important because what happens is you circle seven names and this is the committee that you select who in turn invites our servant leaders, our deacons to come and serve on the diaconate. So this is an important group of men and women. So your part is to choose them and to choose wisely. So you might want to pray through that this afternoon um, and then go ahead and get this back to us uh, tonight if you can do that, or even tomorrow morning, get that into the office. So thank you uh, for doing that. And thank you also for praying for my mom. Uh, I I wasn't here last week while you were worshiping here. I was in a hospital room with my mom at Carolina's Medical Center there in downtown Charlotte, and um, your prayers were unbelievably good to me and to my, my mom and to my dad, and they were just blessed to hear how you guys were we're praying and um, she's doing great she um, for those of you who don't know she she went to the emergency room on a Friday uh, found bleeding in her skull uh, Friday night Saturday uh, in the hospital Sunday and Monday did a procedure to relieve and to drain that blood to release the pressure from the brain and I can show you the before and after pictures on the CAT scan. They're amazing. You might not want to do that before lunch, but the but the Lord was so good and faithful. Just in awe of your prayers, in awe of um, God using the surgeons. Uh, they're so incredibly gifted, and, and all these uh, and the and the nurses and all the assistants there. And we were just praising God in our room for how incredibly um, technical the body is, and God. And his sovereignty allows you to take the next breath that you will take. He allows that. It's pretty awe-inspiring, isn't it? And God is in full and complete control over everything. And we just sat there in our room. My dad down in the cafeteria. One morning we were eating breakfast together and he he mentioned that. And we just sat kind of submissive before the Lord. That's pretty amazing. And then through these uh, surgeons and their incredible gifts, their incredible skills... And so we're just thankful for that, and, and thank thank you for praying for us. We really, really um, needed that, and it meant so much to me. And so it's good to be home after a busy, busy week, preaching at Anderson University on Wednesday, and then meeting in Columbia with pastors on Thursday. And, and so Friday afternoon when I sat down and, and really a little bit behind in my message, to be honest with you, and I sat down, and perhaps it was because I was gone a few days and reflecting on the last couple of weeks here at Taylor's and the decision that I initiated to ask Doug Mize, one of our senior staff guys, to leave, and he has done so. You guys blessed Doug and Janet so incredibly well uh, last weekend uh, during the reception time, so thank you for, for doing that. Maybe it was that, or maybe it was related to that, all of the conversations that I've had from people who have come to me and say, Pastor, we really want to speak to you on this, and and, and we just have some questions or we have some hurts here. Pastor, would you speak to us? And it has been incredibly good, as I shared with the deacons um, at our last deacons meeting, to do that, to sit down in coffee shops and in homes and over the phone and uh, in my office and just walk through and hear from people. And, and I really um, value just the honest, open, humble discussions that we've had. It's been incredibly good. Maybe it was that, or maybe it was what I'm about to share with some of you about the future and, and some things that are happening that you need to know that none of you really know at this point, and you need to to know. So maybe my heart was already there. Or maybe it was sitting with those pastors, 120 pastors, Thursday morning. I, I didn't want to go to Columbia. Don't tell the South Carolina Baptist people that. I didn't want to go, okay? But I went and I'm sitting there, and these pastors, all of us are wrestling with the question, how do we make disciples in this culture and in this age in which we live in? How do we see people matured in Christ? And then to come to an understanding here, here, here is kind of the, the punch right to the nose, we're behind. We're behind in reaching lost people for Christ. We're just behind. And just the, the reality of, of all of that, that as a pastor and what, I, what I've what i been entrusted with you and and, and, and the great commission, Jesus' words, to make disciples of all people. And I'm like, okay, hold on, time out, time out. Maybe instead of just plowing through James, James chapter three, where we were gonna talk about speech today, maybe it would be best to sit back and pray and reflect. And so I did that a good portion of Friday. And I... Here is what I, I thought about. Okay, I thought about you. I thought about you as sheep, because God has called me to shepherd you. First Peter chapter five, verse two: Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, shepherding them willingly, not gr- not begrudgingly and giving them oversight and and thinking just through that passage this beautiful image of a shepherd and his sheep it's all the way through the old and the new testaments and the people in 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 the scriptures many many years but they would all recognize that a shepherd feeds and, and protects and cares for his sheep and my role is to feed and to protect and to care for you so i just sat down in my office friday closed the door and begin to pray and begin to think about you, the sheep, and where you are. So that I could just speak to you from a pastor and from a heart that wants to shepherd you well and wants wants to tell you how much I love you and what a privilege it is to serve as your pastor at this church. It's an incredible privilege. Every day I wake up and I think, what an awesome, weighty, but incredible opportunity it is to pastor a group of people like you. But here was my conclusion, and here's what's stirring in my heart for you: a couple of things, and I want to share these things with you, and I, I want you to receive them as a as someone who who is sharing these things lovingly, like like a dad would to his son or to his daughter, just sitting down with them, or as a shepherd cares for his sheep. I don't want you to think that I'm, I'm analyzing or assessing like an auditor coming in and saying, okay, here's the problem, here's the problem, here's the problem. It's not that. Shepherds care for their sheep, and I, I want to present this in a caring way from my heart to your heart so that we can understand how we need to move forward from this point on, Be, because this is a pivotal time in the life of our church. and You'll see why as I begin to spill some of this out, okay? So I, I'm just going to talk with you. Alright, I'm just going to share with you. And I want you to receive it well. Alright, number one. Here's my thinking. The sheep are hurting. Some of you are hurting in both rooms. Some of you are hurting, and here's why. We've lost a wonderful member of our staff. A wonderful family here at Taylor's First Baptist Church, the Mises. And while it was my decision to ask him to resign, it nevertheless hurts us all and I see it in your faces I see it uh, or I hear it in your comments when I sit down and talk with you I understand that there's hurt there I know that many of you are hurting and we all hurt together I hurt because the sheep are hurt I don't like it and I understand how deeply personal the decision that I made has affected many of you. I understand that that Doug was uh, was one who connected you to Taylors. Many of you for the very first time. I understand the deep friendships. Maybe he led a life group or a Bible study that you were in, or a small group of men that you were in. Um, I understand just how incredible, valuable um, their service is to us. And as you served alongside of them, whatever areas of ministry here at Taylor's that you served with them, maybe you sung in the choir with Janet or you um, served in the children's area with her. We we love the girls, Rachel and and Mary Catherine and and Kayla and the students. I know some of you are hurting. I I just wanted to, to recognize the elephant in the room for many of you that you are struggling. And that I, as your shepherd, want to help you heal. And I hurt too because of that. And it's hard. But here's what you also need to understand, and here's what you also need to know, and I say this as lovingly as possible, is that the decision that I made, and, and I realize when, when I stand up on a Sunday and I, I give you that decision over the course of a few minutes, you, you, you're you going to receive that and it's going to hit you like a ton of bricks. It is going to be so abrupt. It is going to be so just, just what? And I've had to take a step back over the last few weeks and confess that that really hurt and hit our people quick and hard. This is why I'm saying what I'm saying. But I also want you to know, you also need to know that this decision was not made as quickly as it was given. This decision was made after many, many months, all the way back into the summer of last year, just praying and evaluating and seeking counsel and deliberating and rethinking and, 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 and going over it again and again and again and saying, okay, Lord, what, what is it that you're asking me to do here and being obedient to you and so while the abruptness of the decision has rattled some of you and hurt you, understand that the way it was decided was in no way quick. But it was thoughtful and deliberate and caring as much as I could. And here's the other thing that I, I, I would say to you. is It has been incredible to see people take the word of God Take it and, and say, okay, I'm gonna trust the word of God, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak truthfully and lovingly with my pastor. And you have been, you have been a blessing to me when you do that. And I would just encourage you to continue along that same path. Trust the word, which requires us to speak to one another in great love in order to, to work through together those things where we might not see eye to eye. But then ultimately we can heal and become unified again. Trust the word of God. Continue to speak well. Don't speak divisively. Next week we'll talk about the tongue. Haven't even started studying yet, but I know what it says already. Let's speak. continue to speak honestly with one another. And then I would say this, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. I stood before Anderson University Chapel, Wednesday morning, and, and I shared with them this illustration, and I think it's so true. It's from my iPhone. I don't have my iPhone up here with me. I left it down on the, on the first row there, but on my iPhone, I've got, I don't know what the right word is. Some of you will come up afterwards and correct me, okay? But I've got several um, albums, is that right? Under, under photos, and one is just the general place where you catalog snapshots, right? And I have on my iPhone at the time, Wednesday morning, I told him I got like 450 some photos that I've carried over from my previous iPhone, just stuffed full of snapshots. Here are snapshots, here are snapshots, snapshots, right? Just pictures right in front, just right there, all right? Then there's another category called selfie. <laughs> and I've got Fifteen of those, right? Pretty vain, right? And so it's me and Harrison, me and Grace, me and the dog, me and the mom, everything like that. It's just, all right, it's me, right? But then there's this one category. I've got one picture in it. You know what it is? The panoramic. And what this reminds me of, you know what a panoramic picture is? It's where you start here and you go all the way across and you get a full picture from beginning to end of the entire room, the entire spectrum is what you can't get in a snapshot. And here's what I was reminded of as I shared with those students and I share with you is that we operate in life, we as human beings operate in a snapshot selfie world. But God operates in a panoramic world. And he is sovereign. He is king. And there's no telling for obedient and faithful what god will do with us and what god will do with doug and janet mys and i pray he will to expand the kingdom of god through them because he is sovereign and king you need to realize that finally last point on this is um it's easy for me to come to you and to say trust me you know what in this day and age of the political season that we're in are you kidding me are you going to trust any leader nowadays right And I'm a little uncomfortable with that. I don't know if it's just personal. I don't know what it is just to come to people and say, trust me. I don't know. Maybe it's my age. I don't know. But here's what I do know. Here's what I would ask you to do. I would ask you, humbly ask you to trust the chief shepherd. Not the under shepherd, the chief shepherd. Go to the chief shepherd with your your hurts and with your questions and with your concerns and with your complaints, go to him and pour out your heart before him, trust him, and then he will give you the ability to trust, he will give you the ability to talk to me and to your other leaders here at Taylor's First Baptist Church. I just wanted to communicate, I know you're hurting sheep. But the chief shepherd will help us work through this. And I want to help you work through this as well. Because we all hurt. I recognize that. Here's the second thing. The sheep are uncertain. Here's the conclusion I came to. The sheep are uncertain. Where are we going? Okay, so we're making this shift in discipleship. All right. Um, hearing about facilities. Hearing about facilities and the changes there. and um. I'm about to share an incredible announcement here for for both the second hour that you modern worshipers are really, really going to be interested in. Okay, so there's some new things. Where are we going? But the sheep are uncertain. All right, and, and so he, here's how I want to help you this morning. So I've tried to give you some care and some healing. I, I want to now lead you and give you some direction, okay? Um, the vision here at Taylor's First Baptist Church has been the vision right out of Jesus' mouth from Matthew chapter 28. Verses 16 through 20. And this vision has never, ever changed. When people come to me me and say, Pastor, what is your vision for the church? My first thought is always to go to what Jesus said and what the vision and mission statement that he gave his disciples from the very beginning. And he says this. Here's what the text says. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go therefore and make disciples of all nations, of all people groups. Here's the vision. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always even to the end of the age. So here was Jesus' heart. Go and make disciples, people who look like me, who in turn will go and make other disciples who look like me, who in turn will go and make other disciples who look like me, all the way to the ends of the earth, all the way to the end of time till I return. That, that is the vision. That's what Jesus And then we, we add to it this. John chapter 15, verse 8. When, when, when on the night before he's crucified, this was after Jesus was crucified and resurrected. But on the night before he's crucified, he just says this. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so you prove to be my disciples. So for the glory of the Father, for the glory of Christ, we want to invest in people who in turn look like jesus that is the vision but here's the uncertainty and i realize this okay what does it look like for tailors this is where the uncertainty comes in the sheep okay that that's kind of jesus speaking and then we go over to ephesians right we go to ephesians and and paul comes to this church and he says to them teachers Pastors, overseers, shepherds, apostles, evangelists, you leaders, equip the saints for ministry. Ephesians chapter four, verses 11 through 17. Equip the saints for ministry until the body achieves unity and we all become like Christ. We become mature believers in Christ. And you continue to grow up in Christ so that the Great Commission can be fulfilled. So I've just given you what the biblical vision is. Glory of God, make disciples to the ends of the earth through his church as we become mature and complete and as we multiply, not only in the church, but outside the church. Here's the biblical vision. Here's the hard part. What does it look like for us? How does that fit us? And so for more than a year, the ministers have been working on what we simply call vision and values. And we have been reading and praying and meeting together regularly for the purpose of saying, here's the biblical vision, here's what it means for tailors, and here are the values that undergird this vision of producing disciples, of making people to look like Christ. Here are the values that undergird it. and we continue to work throughout the spring. What does it look like for all the ministry areas then? And so the week after Easter, Lord willing, we're going to set James to the side. Next week, James chapter three. The following week is the weekend. You hear about the weekend? All right, the weekend. The following week is Easter. And then Lord willing, the next week we're going to preach and teach. Here it is. Here's the vision for tailors. And here is the values that undergird them. And this is what we want to produce when it comes to you as a follower of Christ. So when you invite your friends and when other people come to this church, what is it, Taylors, that you're all about? And here's the tricky part, all right? Here's how we've defined disciples throughout the years. And this is what I've been wrestling with for years as a pastor. For five years now, I've been wrestling with, what does a disciple look like? How do we lead a church with multi-services and multi-generations and people coming from different backgrounds and people understanding, well, this is what a disciple looks like, well, this is what a disciple looks like, or this is what a tailor's disciple looks like? And I'm like, wait a second, what does the scripture say a disciple looks like? And here's where we have to be careful that we don't define discipleship by attendance only. Or by, or by giving only. Are we up or are we down? Therefore, are we good disciples or are we bad disciples? Or by, you ready? You ready? Or by the feeling or the energy or the vibe of this place. I'm all for unity. But let's not measure discipleship by how we feel. If we did that, we'd be in trouble every day of the week. Discipleship is not based upon our allegiance to the convention or our faithfulness to our traditions. Discipleship, Ephesians 4, is measured by are we holding up Jesus as a mirror and reflecting his image? So you as a husband, you as a wife, you as a family, broken marriages, families all over the place, 220 marriages in this room last week, many of them broken and hurting. Do you understand what's at stake is the maturity and the growth of people to look like Jesus. So we're wrestling with this, right? And it's not easy. It's not not simple just by plugging you in. So we've been working on this, and we want to present this to you. We want people to become like Christ. We want to hold up a mirror. Here is my charge that when I stand before Christ, you are mature. Husbands, do you realize that when you stand before Christ, your, your, your job is to present your wife mature and complete in Christ? When, 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 when I think of you, I want to see life change. I want to see your family change. I want to see your neighborhood change. Those pastors in Columbia, as we were talking, man, I, I'm telling you, it woke me up to the fact that we are behind we we we're so concerned, and I'm so concerned about processes right here and systems right here and everything right here, and making sure and juggling every and making sure everyone's at peace. And, and the world is dying and going to hell. And, and we're we're skirmishing and just kind of torn and, and divisive in the body of Christ. Just not us, but the whole. And all of these pastors are saying, "How and what are we doing?" And it's simply to get back to the biblical vision of making disciples for the glory of Christ, who in turn will reach this world. Your neighbors to your left and to your right, your cul-de-sac, your workplace. This is what's at stake. It's time to quit playing church. It's time to say we want to look like Christ and we want to influence this world for Jesus Christ. And so this is what's been going on in my heart. (laughs) This is what's been going on in my mind. And this is what it means to come to you and say, here's the vision, here are the values, let's go. It doesn't mean, and and, and I received an email this past week, and and I get it, and I've heard this before. Oh, pastor, you're going to do away with life groups. And and when you talk about discipleship and community, you want us to be in all these smaller groups. We do believe that, yes, smaller relational communities are where you are held accountable and where you grow to be like Christ. But that is in no way saying, pastor, are we going to do away with life groups? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That's probably the number one question that I hear. You're going to do away with light groups. No, 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 no. We want to enrich in them. We want to deepen them. We want to make them we want to make them stronger. But how do we how do we see people become like Christ? These are the questions that we're going to face. These are the questions that we're going to ask. And we don't want to be small, we don't want to be. Brookwood we don't want to be Grace we don't want to be New Spring people are saying with the facilities pastor and with this talk of discipleship you want to be like Spring uh New Spring or Brookwood or Grace all these other churches we're not them we're not Fairview we're not Brushy Creek and you know what I say to that amen we are not nor do we desire to imitate those churches we want to be who God has created us to be tailors not out of a sense of pride But out of a sense that God has shaped us in a remarkable way, how do we then carry out what God has done for us and in us and through us, and how do we carry that out today and for the future? Here's what I told the 9 o'clock service this morning. I said, we don't want to be Brookwood. We don't want to be Grace. We don't want to be New Spring. We're not trying to imitate them with everything that we do, but neither do we want to be the tailors of the past. We want to be the tailors God has called us to be today and to reach the next generation, reach your children and your grandchildren and their children beyond. We want to see another 150 years of incredible ministry, and this is why we do what we do. Vision, values coming in that direction. Here's the other thing that's exciting for the fall. Super encouraged about this. Modern worshipers, you're going to like this, okay? I think you're going to like this. If not, just wait till Monday and tell me on Monday if you don't like it, okay? Um, contemporary service, I think I think you might enjoy this as well. This is neat. Let me just spill this out for a little bit. When the modern worship service came over to this room in 2013, for the year 2012, we averaged 338 individuals over in the worship center. Now, that's 338 individuals in a place that seats 1,800 and some would say 2200 depending upon the size of your fanny over there depending how slim you are how fat you are all right j- j- just we, we made the move um because we needed to go from three hours to two hours we're two hour church primarily okay and we also understood this room could be an incredible place for us to worship together and wow what a year 2013 jump up over 500 worshipers in here in a, in a place that holds 700 seats and our staff and Scott and Farah, and Kevin and our entire team has done a phenomenal job of, of this worship venue. I love it. But, but here's the thing. So we were at 74% after year one. After year two in here, the average attendance went down just a little bit. But the percentage of seats that were full in here went up to almost 80%. You know why? Because the fire marshal came in here February 2014 and said... You have 700 seats in here, Uh uh-uh. You now can only set up 613. Now, how he got to 613, or not 12, or 10, or whatever, I don't know. And if any of you count whether we have 613 and we're at 615 or something, don't go tell the farm marshal, all right? Come tell us. We'll fix it for the next week. But the percentage goes up of seats that are full, almost 80%. Then 2015, last year, average goes up modern worshipers here. All right. Modern worshipers, it goes up to 82%. But if you take away June and July and December, which is the months for our college kids and for students, we're at 87% capacity in here throughout the year when everybody's here. 80% capacity is where they say you're way too full. And when you see the environment in here as intimate as it is, you would understand that 80% full. So here's what we're going to do back in 2014, staff came to me and said, let's talk about this. We pushed it to the side, renovations, kept pushing it to the side. We come to 2015, keep talking about it, gather leaders in the fall of last year. And so over the course of the fall and into the beginning of this year, we made a decision. Let's do this. Let's just trust God. Let's practice innovative faith. This is one of our values. Innovative faith, where we take the the message of the gospel and try and put it in a a relevant environment where the message of the gospel doesn't change, the worship of Jesus doesn't change, but the environment might. Practice innovative faith. So starting in the fall, here's what we're proposing, that we start a second modern service right here at 9 a.m. And here's what we're going to do. We're not going to force any life groups to do that. We learned our lesson on that. We're not doing that. We're not going to force you to go down. Student ministry is going to remain the same. We're not going to make any changes there. This is for classes and for individuals who say, you know what, we have some flexibility in our morning schedule, and we want to come, you, modern worshipers, we want to come and uh, move down to 9 o'clock, go to life group at 1030 or serve at 1030 so that there can be more space here at 1030 because that's when guests come that's when the guests come if you're a guest here today you're you're probably here because of the later hour and we want to create space not only for worshipers here but we also when you move down to nine o'clock we want to create new opportunities for you to grow perhaps on uh, at a different hour grow on a Sunday night grow on a Wednesday night serve on a Sunday morning what would it look like for some of you to worship at 9 create space at 1030 serve at 1030 grow on a Sunday night or on a Wednesday night or any night of the week? What would it look like for us to practice innovative faith and say for the glory of Christ and making disciples and bringing new worshipers in here to encounter God, what does it look like for me to raise my hand and go, I'll do it? And that's what we're excited about. Easter Sunday. You you need to begin planning and thinking about Easter Sunday. We're going to give it a shot. Easter Sunday. We're going to come and we're going to worship at 9 a.m. I'll be in the other room. be preaching from there. We'll video it in here just like we do every single week or or every other week or whatever it is that we do in videoing me in here. We're going to do that at 9 o'clock. I had a question. One of the traditional worshipers, man, I blew it already. One of the traditional worshipers came to me and said, um, Pastor, um, what about the traditional service at 9 a.m.? And We're not touching it. Tell all your friends, tell all your neighbors, tell all your friends. The 9 o'clock service stays the same. I'm preaching from that 9 o'clock service. We're videoing in here, okay? Here's what we're trying to do. Just practice innovative faith for the purposes of making and reaching new people for Christ. And you get to play a part in that. Vision and values after Easter, modern worship service, renovations, Lord willing, if approved next week be open for the fall. It could be an incredible, exciting time for the life of our church. But here's the final thing, and I got to hurry, all right? Here's the final thing, and I hope that gives you some direction. I know, I know it's not going to give you everything you want. You might have questions, all right? Come back for the series after Easter. We'll we'll take those questions, and we'll work through them. We, we, We don't have every I dotted and every T crossed, but we're working. We're working at it. We're going to get there together. Here, here's the last thing is that the sheep are restless. I sense there's some restlessness among some of the sheep, and, and here's why. Because you might be hurting and you gather with other sheep who are hurting and there's just kind of this kind of this restlessness. Or or it's hard for all of us, it's hard for me as pastor to see families leave. You you know families who have left. Um, it's no fun T- to know that a family once worshipped here worshipped beside you and now for whatever reason they've gone to another and, and, it, and it just causes some restlessness inside of us and it causes us to hurt inside um, there are some as I said in the first hour that long for the glory days of the past and, and there are some of you who long for the days to, to move ahead and you're saying pastor you're going way too slow and you're just kind of restless. And there are there are things in your in your heart that maybe about this church or about what has happened over the last few weeks or whatever it is. There's a sense among some of you that there's just it's just not right. And you can't put your finger on it, and and you're restless. Some sheep are wandering off. We haven't seen them in a bit. Some sheep are just plain mean and bite. <laughs> you know, it, it just you're restless. And, and so here is what, here, here's what I give to you in closing. I've tried to care for you and love you and give you direction and give you my heart, my passion, but now I give you the word of God this morning. Colossians chapter 3. It's this great passage. I taught it right here on this stage to our Wednesday uh, PM Bible study. This coming Wednesday, I start a brand new series for, for everybody. We invite you to come on resolving conflict, everyday conflict. Sounds fun, doesn't it? <laughs> but here, here's the reality. We need it. I need it. I'm going to be learning with you as we go. Right here from the stage, though, Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Paul is writing this church here, and he, he says to them, let, let me just read it first, and, and then i make some comments. And we'll pray, and then we'll go home. He says "As put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Listen, I, I want you to listen, okay? Please listen, it's on the screen. Look at these words. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, do everything in the name of the lord jesus giving thanks to god the father through him now that is a huge paragraph right there i mentioned going to anderson this week and the president dr whitaker um, i went with gerald Kasky, our administrator who's a member of the board and gerald and dr whitaker had already talked and dr whitaker invited us to go with him through the new student center, 90,000 square feet, heart of the campus, connection center for the campus, beautiful facility that they're building. And so Dr. Whitaker, we get in his car, and we go over to the site after chapel, and he brings us to the trailer, and he um, says, all right, guys, follow me. And we go inside, and he says, you know, you need a hard hat. So we put on our hard hats, and you need um, you need your orange... Um, you need an orange vest on here, and you got to have these. I'm not letting you in there unless you have one of these things. All right. So all of us, Dr. Smith, Tom Smith from, uh, uh, Tom's over in the other worship service. Tom and Penny, he went with us. He's provost there, doing a phenomenal job, and some other guys went with us. So we here we go, and and, and we walk into this amazing, um, just tons of of, of rooms, and it's going to be a cafeteria and a theater and. All these spaces is gonna be really neat. But here we are, and we're distinguished because of two things. We're following the leader, we're following Dr. Whitaker because he knows where he's going and we don't. <laughs> he 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 knows all of the this is where this is gonna be. It was amazing. A President of University, he knows where the pizza is gonna be, and he knows where the where where the the sandwich shop is gonna be, and where I mean it's just amazing. He knows all of it. Follow me. But in order to follow me to distinguish you from everybody else, you got to put on a hat and you got to put on an orange vest. Got it. So here we go and we follow Dr. Whitaker in wearing these weird looking clothes but needed clothes. All right. Here's what Paul is saying to the church and here's what he's saying to all of us. Okay. He's saying if you're going to follow Jesus put on gospel clothes put on gospel clothes I, that phrase put on then literally it was a phrase that they also you say put on clothes put on these virtues humility and compassion and meekness and patience and bearing with one another forgiving one another as god has forgiven you here's the wonderful thing about this passage. Colossians 3, verse 1. Let's move up because here's what it'd be easy for me to do. Say, okay, guys, get with the program. Be kind to one another. Parents, you ever say that? Be kind to your sister. You know, get with the program. Just do this. We'll be okay. No. Here's what Paul says, and this this is beautiful. Colossians 3, verse 1. Move up. He says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, and set your mind on the things that are above with Christ. Therefore, he says, you come down, he says, put to death, take off all your anger, all your malice, all your sexual immorality. That's how you used to live before you became a follower of Jesus and you had to put on the hard hat and the vest. So take those things off because you are to set your mind, your attention on Christ where he is. You'll take off those things that if you are with Christ, if you are watching Christ, you will... Take off those things that dishonor Christ, and you will put on those things that reflect Christ. Put it this way if you are in the presence of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you have received the gospel, and some of you perhaps have not, if you have never ever trusted Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, mercy from Him, eternal life through His cross and through His resurrection, you've never experienced life change. Where you are declared a son or a daughter of God, I would encourage you. I would encourage you to find one of us, or to come back this week, and continue to come here about this gospel. But if you have received this gospel, then it, Paul says, "All right, you set your mind in." think about christ and this gospel you sit down with christ take your mind and your heart and and look at him and look at his grace and his humility and his mercy and his forgiveness and his passion for you for you when you were a sinner and an enemy of god it says in romans and you were doing everything even though you might not have realized it you were doing everything to run from god and shake your fist at god and christ came and exercised these virtues for you patiently enduring humble meek forgiving for you And if you, Paul says, just take your mind and you get it off of yourself and you put it on the gospel and on Christ, and you begin to realize the mercy and grace that comes through the gospel to you, you cannot help but treat others with the same grace and mercy that has been given to you it cannot come to you vertically without working its way out horizontally to other people. And if the gospel is not transforming you, and it's not changing you, and it's not working itself out, then something's not right. And so here is my plea. I'm just giving you I'm just giving you the word of God this morning to feed on this and to chew on this and digest this I would encourage you church yes let's love one another and let's be humble with one another and let's be patient with one another and let's forgive one another do it in your homes do it with your children start there Do it at our church. But just don't do it because you're guilty. Just don't do it because I say to do it. Go to the word of God and go to Christ and you encounter Christ. That's what worship is. You this morning come to him and you see how he has given everything for you and look at those virtues again and say, this is how God has treated me. So how In the world, can I act selfishly or self-centered? Why, pastor, I'm speaking to myself, why do I become so consumed about processes and systems and all the internal stuff? I get all bent out of shape, I get all worried. When Christ has unleashed mercy and grace for me, why don't I practice that among everybody? and you want to see something that will light this church up is when the Holy Spirit begins to apply the gospel of Christ to your heart and you begin to reflect the heart of Jesus in the lives of those here and the lives of those outside this church. That would be amazing. This is what the gospel is. So I present to you a shepherd's passion For those of you who are struggling, for those of you who are uncertain, for those of you who need to hear the gospel this morning, I give it to you, and I just simply ask you to receive it well and be transformed by it. Will you pray with me right now? Both rooms. The worship center is going to stay with us. here's what we're going to do this morning. We're not going to have a formal time of invitation where people come down front. Our commitment time is going to be simply praying and opening up our heart to God this morning. And so, um, I I would invite all of you to hang in there with us. And when I say amen, we'll dismiss both rooms and, um, but at this time in the life of our body and what's ahead, and with the, all that we, we've put in front of you, here's the most important thing that our hearts stay in tune and stay soft to the incredible grace of God that has been poured out to you through the cross. And so I would just invite everyone you're physically able to get on your hands and on your knees before the Lord. We've done this on occasion. If you're not comfortable, that's fine. If you're not able, that's fine. If you're a guest here, I understand this. And I'm just going to allow you a second to pray. Maybe you want to express something to God that apart from coming to church this morning, you would have never, ever expressed it. Maybe you um, want to just plead with God and ask him to intervene in your brokenness and in your hurt this morning and say, God, use this body to rescue and to save my family. Use this body to rescue and save others. I, I don't, some of you here are not followers of Christ and maybe there on your hands and on your knees. You just don't know how to pray a prayer to God, but you just simply say, God, here I am. Save me. You come find one of the ministers and say, I don't know what I what that really, really means. But I, I'm calling out to God, maybe this is an incredible time, a turning point in your life for you. I don't know what it is, but here is my heart. We just simply come before the Lord, open-handed, nothing in us except our sin. We say, God, we surrender our pray just for a minute, and I'll close this. Father, will you heal the sheep that are hurting this morning? Father, I, I know that there's sadness and I know that there's questions. But this is why you came to lead us and to heal us. Father, I, I know that there are people who are crying out for their homes and for their marriages and for their families. And they're uncertain and they don't know where to go and where to turn. And they're scared and they're afraid. But this is why Jesus came. Father, I know that people are restless and they they long for something that they might not see. They long for something that they don't have. Father, we, we pray that you would, in our discontent, Father, we open up our hearts to you, and this is why Jesus came. And Father, there's nothing that the gospel of Jesus Christ cannot sustain us through cannot carry us through and father we pray that the hallmark of this church in making disciples is the gospel the cross, the death the burial, the resurrection of Christ ascended to glory and may we look to him and follow him and long to put our arms around people and around our families and to bring them to him father we need your help we don't have it all figured out we're not as smart as we think we are but we're dependent upon you. So hear our prayer, Father. Thank you. Thank you for this people. They're your people. Build your church. Build your church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it until he returns. And until we get to sit around that throne and worship you and the Son forever and ever, hear our prayer. And we pray it in Jesus' name.